Funding for Elwood City Limits is provided by, uh, I don't know, uh, me, I guess. doesn't really cost much. <laughs> and from viewers like you. Thank you. My free time. That's what funds us. <laughs> Hey, what's up? Hello, and welcome to the unofficial pilot episode of the as-yet-untitled Arthur podcast. Episode zero. Yeah. My name is Will Young, and uh, joining me, I guess I should ask you if you would like your last name to be said. Sure, absolutely. This is is Lucas Mancini, my friend Lucas Mancini. How are you doing, Lucas? I'm doing fantastic. How about yourself? I'm doing really good, and I'm very happy to be able to finally be talking about one of my favorite shows of all time. So we're definitely going to get into it and to explain a little bit. This is a podcast, or at least a pilot of a podcast, where we will be talking about the uh, classic PBS kids series, Arthur, based off of the uh, novels, the novels, the picture books. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I believe they had novels at some level of, in fact, I think I had a couple of Arthur, like, quote unquote, air quotes, novels that, uh, you know, were meant for kids. Uh, so Lucas, before I get into my experience with Arthur, you're now just to give people a little bit of a little bit of color here. You're uh, quite a few years younger than me. What, That's right. What year? What? Uh, when? When about were you born? I was born 1995. 1995. February 1995. So early 1995. I see. So I'm very interested to hear where you came in because uh, Arthur was uh, the t- the TV series that premiered in uh, September 2nd, 1996. It's this is actually twenty years of Arthur. Wow! And is it uh, this, still on? It is still on. There's new episodes. As a matter of fact, it is the second longest running PBS Kids show ever. What do you think it is second to? Oh my goodness! Uh, Zoom, possibly. Zoom. You're really gonna guess Zoom? Zoom's your guess. Is Zoom not still on? I, I love Zoom. I, I don't. I don't think so. This it, isn't the Zoom cast no, though. It's a se- Sesame Sesame oh, Street. Sesame Street. <laughs> That's on HBO like, now, though. I was, like so. Zoom, I was like, Zoom, come on. I'm pretty <laughs> sure PBS still has it, though. But, uh, yep, still second longest running. It's going into season 18. All right. Uh, so you were born just a year before this uh, this began. So what was your experience with Arthur? Oh, I so I haven't seen Arthur. It, this was really interesting because I haven't seen Arthur since I was a kid, since I was in the uh, prime demo for the show. Mm -hmm. But I remember watching it all the time. It was one of my go-tos because I believe it was on at lunchtime. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I went to my aunt's house from elementary school, watched an episode of Arthur, go back to school. And I think it was on after school too. The thing about the PBS family of shows is there weren't actually that many. I think there was only, you know, there was your Zooms, your Sesame Streets, Mm -hmm. your Arthur's Cyber Chase. (laughs) And there wasn't much else. So they Showed reruns of those shows nonstop. And see, when I was when I was watching it, I would have been uh, six years old. I would have been in elementary school when this when this debuted. And so around that time, it was like you had, as you said, like Sesame Street. Arthur was debuting. Uh, a couple of years later, you had the Teletubbies. Uh, so kind of the be, the beginning and the real rise of the Teletubbies. Um, did you ever read the Arthur books, like the picture books that they were based off of? So my mom uh, was a librarian growing up. She still is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so she would bring children's books home all the time. And she knew that me and my sister, we loved the Arthur show. And my parents were actually pretty big fans of the Arthur show as well. It was mm-hmm. one of the only kids shows they could stand. 
Uh, so she also brought a lot of the Arthur books home because okay. she knew I was already into the material. But I was definitely introduced to the show before I read the books. I see. And for me, it was, um, you know, by that point, six years old, it was already very mentioned to, you know, uh, the Fox Kids lineup at the time, Power Rangers. Uh, I wasn't allowed to watch that. YTV. I mean, I think it was just about the time where I would be starting to get into that. But I really latched onto Arthur, and I have a hard time really explaining why. I think, I, I mean, maybe we'll get into it as, as the episode goes on, but I'm really not sure. But I will tell you that Arthur was such a seminal show for me at the time that still to a degree, but when I was younger, I could mem- I memorized entire episodes dialogue and sound effects included so I could just and I did like repeat them just to myself from memory and it's interesting you say that because I think that's a phenomenon for a lot of people in our age range Mm -hmm. on Twitter and on Tumblr and things I'm seeing almost a resurgence of uh, references to Arthur Mm -hmm. a lot of people on Twitter will post gifts from Arthur and there's kind of a a, a mimic phenomena surrounding that show. There's also a whole Tumblr out of context Arthur. Yes, and I believe there's like a similar uh, Twitter account or something. There's definitely one that I follow and that I'll definitely have to uh, look up to uh, reference. But you're right, there there is kind of a mimetic quality, I think, as the children who watched Arthur grow older and it's still, it's one of the TV shows of our youth. Nostalgia is still very much a part of this uh, of this generation. So, of course, we're going to be getting into Arthur in an episodic manner. Uh, we're going to be talking about the very first uh, episode, the pilot episode of Arthur, which was uh, Arthur's Eyes and Francine's Bad Hair Day. So, before we get into that, of course, we have to mention now, we both did you watch Arthur? Did you find the episode on YouTube? I did find it on YouTube. Someone's uh, uploaded a lot of the episodes on YouTube in mm. their entirety. So. Yes. The only thing that I wish that they had was the pre-roll ads. Now, we, you and I kind of lived in a similar area, but we only uh, became friends within the last year or two. And we would have gotten in our area of Eastern Canada, it was PBS, Channel 2, or Channel 4. Channel 4, because Channel 2 was the, uh, was the French one. And so we our feed was WGBH Boston. Oh, okay. Yes, the uh, it's all coming back to me. I didn't remember that. Yeah. But now that you mentioned that, uh, when I think about the Fox, we get we get Fox Rochester, mm-hmm. and we would have gotten the Boston Arthur theme that right. feed. That's so interesting. <laughs> I never even considered that. Yeah, and so you know, the, so WGBH Boston would be the channel that we would have uh, had it on. I believe Arthur was on at like four o'clock weekday afternoons, and. Um, uh, there would be points, obviously, where it would repeat and whatnot. So, uh, what we did get everything, including like you know, the episode start like funding for Arthur is provided by funding for Arthur is provided by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting and viewers like you, the National Endowment for Children's Educational Television, and by the Arthur Vining Davis Foundation. This program is made possible in part by a grant from Libby's Juicy Juice. Juicy Juice, 100% juice for 100% kids. Uh, the only ones that I can remember off the top of my head are Juicy Juice. Juicy Juice was a sponsor for a while, and I always wanted to try it because I was like, how do you get juice that's that juicy? <laughs> that's, 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 that's Juicy Juice. Uh, see, and because I would watch other PBS shows and, like, sometimes the ads would run together. Like, there was, like, well, just Grape Juice was on some PBS shows, Honeywell. 
uh, Ronald McDonald Children's Charities. Now, of course, you remember the most important sponsor to Arthur. That's viewers Viewers like like you. you. Thank you. That's right. Uh, I don't remember the individual ads so much, but I do remember vividly when it was fundraising time for PBS. Because, of course, PBS is – Yes, publicly funded. Publicly funded. And I remember as a kid not understanding the financials, I hated it so much. Me too. Me too. Because – I don't even know as an adult how long it actually was, but in between shows, it felt like an eternity. It felt like you could put an entire Arthur episode where these people were just talking about spend, keeping, keeping their station afloat. Spend a hundred bucks, get this Elmo backpack mm. uh, and stuff like that. That's I remember in my mind it being like 45 minutes, right? but it couldn't have been that long. Well, because you and I had no idea how television would work at that time. It was just like, well, why TV doesn't do this? Like, it's true. But of course, and of course, they would say stuff like, we are publicly funded television, and it didn't mean anything. And now that we're older, of course, we mm-hmm. know exactly what that means, that they relied on people's donations and so you know that's the joke where you like the pbs tote bag that's where that comes from right i would always ask my mom like i want that arthur doll or Mm. whatever small trinket they'd give you if you gave them 150 bucks or something and i never understood why she'd go no no, i'm not spending that much money no no so we're going to get into the episode right here and of course uh in speaking episodically about any format the one thing that we're going to encounter of course is uh, if it's not the pre-roll ads from viewers like you or and what have you, it's the theme song. So we got to talk about the theme song. Every day when you're walking down the street, everybody that you meet has an original point of view. And I say, hey, hey, what a wonderful kind of day. You can learn to work and play and get along with each other. The Arthur theme song is so legendary. It really is. So if you're not aware, the song is Belie- it's Believe in Yourself by Ziggy Marley and the Melody Makers. And it really is like seeing it for years and hundreds of thousands of times, it just kind of watches over me and just like, all right, all right, just get to Arthur. But you watch it on its own, it's just like, this sets the absolute perfect tone. For your chi- not just your children's show, but Arthur in general. It's so fun, and it's so upbeat and positive, and really I think it reflects a lot of what Arthur's supposed to be. It definitely has a positive message, and I think what makes it so memorable is usually kids' shows around that time, and I think still to this day to an extent they've done this a little bit more where they'll bring in actually known artists. I know Yo Gabba Gabba will have like Of Montreal or the Aquabats perform, <laughs> but back then it was rare to see actual known musicians uh, participate in music for a kid's show. Mm-hmm. So usually it would just be a session musician uh, would come in and record the theme song. So a lot of children's shows openings kind of have a generic sound to them, mm-hmm. but this was so unique. It's reggae, yes. first of all. That was my first expo. I think that's the first time in my life I'd ever heard a reggae song. That and the Cops theme song. It's the only two yeah. reggae <laughs> themes to anything yeah. I can think of. Right, right, right. Um, and yeah, it's Ziggy Marley, and he's given this impassioned performance about it's very positive, has such a feel-good vibe. And it's come back again. I talk about Arthur coming back into popular culture because now people have nostalgia for the 90s. Yes. Uh, Chance the Rapper. I, I wrote this down because yeah. I knew that you'd want to talk about it. Because Chance the Rapper released his incredible cover 
of that song. And I think the reason he connects with it is the same thing where Chance the Rapper sort of, he's a musician about positivity. Yes. That's his whole M.O. Mm-hmm. And that song, even when you remove it from the context of Arthur, it's just a good positive reggae song. Sure. It's hard to imagine it as its own song, though, but like... It, it definitely is. And I remember I got – and maybe we'll talk about this at some future date. But I I wonder if I still have this. I had like the Arthur music tape. Oh, interesting. And so it was like recordings from the cast that eventually became that first musical episode of Arthur where it was like having fun isn't hard when you got a library card, blah, blah, all that stuff. And then they also had the Arthur theme on there. But it was weird to hear it divorced from the show because – uh, you know, instead of the 45 second minute long version that the show has, it's like the full version. And it's just like, oh, this isn't how I it, it, it's it's edited and mixed differently. Uh, and so I remember not liking it as much because it doesn't sound like the show that I've heard a, a million times. But absolutely class, classic theme song. Well, uh, it's it's interesting you say that because it isn't just the music too. I the images of the Arthur opening are burned into my brain. Him absolutely. running around with Pal on the sidewalk. Yes. Uh, Mr. Rapper and squirting the water out of his mouth as he does the backstroke. Yeah, because yeah, he looks uh, like the shark. He scares the brain. All the faces. Yes. The collage of faces. Arthur st- uh, stomping across the globe. Right, and and then at the end, the the different uh, the different intros depending on the episode. Like Arthur are you would t- fall okay. off the logo. Are you talking about the different sounds it would make? Yeah, like yeah, because there's a because, different because, audio clip every yes. episode. Thank you, thank you. Because if we're gonna get into Arthur, like. I have so much resounding knowledge about the minutia of this children's show. So it's like, <laughs> so yeah, there's like three different sound clips. We'd be like, hey, DW, hey, and then he'd fall over, and then it'd be like, and then sometimes, not all the time, but it's just like, oh, it's this sound effect. I think it might be this episode, depending on where they are, what what last episode was. Like, it got to be that much when oh, I was wow. a kid. Wow, you really put two and two together. I only registered of, oh, this changes a lot, which isn't, yeah. what, wasn't usual yeah. for uh, an animated kid show at the time. So we're talking about episode one. Technically, uh, I think it, I think it's packages like one and two. Uh, Arthur aired uh, in half hour segments or, or twenty two minute segments and like ten minute uh, ten minute story. So it would be two per episode, and then it would be in, uh, interrupted in the middle, and we'll get into it. So the very first episode, the very first one that aired on PBS was Arthur's Eyes, and this ending, this opening is so weird to me. <laughs> Like, I would see it, and it's just like, it's so not what you would expect a show like Arthur to begin, because it starts off with the really weird, foreboding music. There's like a flash, there's like a light going through Arthur's house, and it almost seems like a little, it's, it's like a little intimidating, and it's just like, what's what's going on here? And it's, it's, it's just a weird place to start for the first episode. It's very mysterious. It is yeah. almost ominous, and there's actually a lot of use of ominous music in this episode yes and <laughs> this okay. episode at points becomes paced like a horror film yes yes and <laughs> I, I i have a thing about that so you're absolutely right uh so it's dw going through the house uh with a flashlight she ends up in arthur's room and she gets him to come downstairs with her because you know mom and dad have been keeping be, been keeping somebody a secret and so arthur's just kind of going along with it uh i want to take this time to just uh, quickly point out um the voice actors for Arthur and DW, uh, Michael Yarmish is uh, the Arthur play- the actor playing Arthur, excuse me, and Michael Kalos is uh, DW, both Canadian voice talent. They would have been kids at the time. Uh, DW is voiced by uh, a male. Yes. Interesting. DW, yes, I DW, never knew that. Exactly. And that's kind of what I wanted to very quickly highlight is that, you know, we're going to see a lot of – we're going to hear a lot of their performances 
you know, rewatching Arthur if we decide to go forward with this podcast or not. I'd like to continue watching it. So good. I, I know it can easily turn into a love fest because it's, you know, our childhood memories and stuff. But that's the, the, the classic Arthur voice. Arthur's voice would change a whole lot, and I'm sure it's continued to change. But it's just like when you think of Arthur, if you've been there from the beginning, like you think of Michael Yarmish. But it's interesting you said it changes because I did notice. I was like, this isn't exactly how I remember Arthur sounding. DW sounded like how DW always sounds. Yes. But uh, I was like, Arthur sounds a little bit different. There were a couple of different Arthur voices, and I'll be interested to see which one you kind of identify with as we go along. Uh, just a quick note here. Michael Yarmish uh, was also uh, – this blew my mind when I was a kid. There was a YTV show. It was a live, one of their live-action comedies, probably produced in-house. Uh, it was called Radioactive. Uh, you were probably pretty young for it. I think it would have been aired around the late 90s. Um, and it was about like a bunch of like junior high students who had their own radio station at their school. and Not Radio Free Roscoe. No, that's a, a different – that was like a – that aired on like APTN or something, Aboriginal People's Television Network. Wait, and, really? It wasn't just a – I thought it was a family channel show. You know, it may have been. The, but interesting. So it's, two, there, there was a similar show to Radio Free Roscoe that was on APTN. It was Canadian and I don't remember what it is, but it was like something to do with radio or TV or something. It's funny. Uh, Canadian produced kids shows come in threes. There's three Canadian produced radio kids shows. I'm sure if we could find there was Goosebumps. Yeah. And are you afraid of a dar- the dark? I'm not sure if there was a third one. I guess, but yeah, maybe you could count the outer limits as that, even though it's not a t- it's ca- not a kids show. Yeah, Canadian Canadian live action show producers they have their themes and they stick to them. <laughs> they know it works. So uh, and 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 uh, yeah, so the two Michaels, Arthur and DW, just fantastic, and and uh, just wanted to. Uh, make sure that that was out there. Uh, so, uh, so D- so DW brings it to a photo album, and it's it's these uh, little it's these photos of little Arthur before he had glasses, and and DW. I mean, and this and like I gotta say that this is this is pretty believable that I, I I'm sorry that a four year old would probably believe this because it's just like trying to figure out that there people look differently without glasses, and, and that it's just not their face. My fa- my favorite line is from DW is that you were born with glasses. Yeah, DW. The writers really give. In these two episodes, D.W. and Buster mm-hmm. get all the good one-liners in these two episodes. Like when I was <laughs> writing down uh, the quotes I really liked, they're all D.W. and Buster lines. <laughs> For instance, not only does she say, you were born with glasses, uh, when she's talking about what happened to this hypothetical long-lost brother that doesn't have glasses, she says they probably sold him or something <laughs> when she's talking about what the parents would have done to dispose <laughs> of him. Because of, of course she's perturbed by this. She goes, sure. oh, it's like it's the secret she's discovering. There's I have a long lost brother and my parents sure. sold him. It's absolutely exciting to to a little kid. Uh, so then we get into uh, the title card. So there's going to be a lot of different title cards in Arthur episodes. It's kind of a staple and they would get more of them as the series went along. And this one is a uh, uh, this one is a sta- is a classic. It's it's Arthur swimming. He says hi to the camera and keep going. So I had a question about this actually. Do you prefer the Arthur title cards with voiceovers announcing the title of the episode or no? I like it when they announce the title. That's what I remember. That's yes. what I – I guess usually what I like with this show is what connected with me most as a kid because that's the nostalgia, right? I, so I really liked it when it was like um, when he would say the title. Yeah. And I, th- I think it's a little – I think it's a little too stark when it doesn't say anything. It's just kind of like the title card. And I imagine that they maybe included that because – if. If they had any blind listeners, Arthur including is very is a very inclusive show, and I imagine for for blind fans that that would really be something they would want to include. I remember PBS would always push the closed cla- closed captioning for the hearing impaired. That's what I learned 
basically what closed captioning was was from PBS. That's how I and I was obsessed with closed captioning as a kid, and because I love to read, and it's just like I can read while I watch TV, and it was great. And um, yeah, that's and that's how I learned. And now it's hard for me to watch shows without subtitles or closed captioning. So uh, yeah, you're right, and I completely forgot about that. Uh, so we get into the episode. I uh, just want to make a quick mention of the music that we're of course going to hear all through, and it's. Uh, really eclectic kind of instruments because it's like right away I noted there's like notes of a banjo, there's like flute, there's a bass of of course that'll come into it. You know, very interesting score. Almost reminded me of uh, you ever watched Doug? Uh, no, so Doug was a little bit before my yeah. time. It, Doug is so iconic, so I know of Doug. Sure. Funny, but I never but really it's, but it. like this like the show Doug also had its own real interesting take on like because it would be like beatboxing would be the kind of the score and. It, yeah, so I just think it's 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 a little interesting. It's not just like piano or like an orchestra or what or or like a synthesizer or something. It is it is a very interesting uh, musical tone. And, and Arthur was a show that had very good musical influences. Uh, I noticed a, a continuity error, which I don't think is terribly hard to spot in this first episode. So right where we are right here, yeah. Arthur is explaining to DW the story of how he got his glasses. That's correct. So we see Arthur, young Arthur, yes. uh, we're to assume, in a classroom. Mm-hmm. All right, so what's this continuity error? So as you're right. He's in his second grade class, and someone's there that shouldn't be. Oh, I'm trying to think now. I, I don't know who you're talking about. It, I must have missed this. It's, uh, it's Sue Ellen. So Ellen, so Ellen doesn't move to Elwood City until the third grade. Oh my so this was at the point probably where they would just be like, let's just put let's just we have these character models, we'll put them in there, and then later they figured out, let's take this one and then give give her a new give her a new story. Well, it, it's right. A lot of these characters, besides the core four, were probably background characters initially because a lot of them don't show up in the books. I don't think. No. And then they decided to flesh these side characters out yeah. later, or are just the perennial background characters. The big thing that I noticed that I wasn't used to seeing was, uh, and this, it makes sense when I actually think about it, but I was perturbed to see that it wasn't Mr. Rapper and teaching them. Yes. That makes sense when you realize, oh, this is a flashback. Mm-hmm. Arthur's in second grade. But I was, who is this guy? He's got a neck beard. Yeah, M- Mr. Marco. <laughs> you know his name, Yeah, too. Mr. Marco. He shows up a couple times when they flash back to second grade. Like, they do that, they do that a couple times. But yeah, it's just like, you know, once you're used to Mr. Rapper, it's just like, who the, who the hell is this Mr. Marco character? Like, not really, not really too much of anybody. Uh, so Arthur's having, Arthur's having real trouble, uh, not realizing yet that he needs glasses. It's hard for him to see the board. Um, getting a headache. Getting headaches. Uh, and Buster comes through with a great line here. Again, the writers, they have fun with Buster and DW. Sure. Buster goes, sometimes Francine gives me a headache too because Arthur's bothering Francine to give him what's yeah. on the board. Right. There's also a line that I liked. It goes to like gym class and they're playing basketball and you know Arthur can't really see. And uh, Buster passes him the ball and is like, got it. <laughs> No, I don't. <laughs> That's right. Arthur, he realizes he does not have the ball nope. and just so defeated he goes, I got it. No, no I, I don't. don't. Maybe because I have basketball on the brain lately because it's the NBA finals right now, the playoffs. Right. Right. Uh, but it was interesting to see uh, Francine. She's a baller. <laughs> yes. Francine. You're not put, wrong. You're she's not wrong. putting up layups. She's putting up freeze and uh arthur can't even make she, a foul she, shot she likes slam dunks to take to the hoop her favorite play is the alley-oop <laughs> you're <laughs> right francine is a great a two baller. hand jams all over the place once francine <laughs> hits the court and this actually comes up in the next episode they establish of the of the kids Thran- francine's the best athlete it's true uh, and so that plays arthur of course 
He could be good at basketball. We'll never know because he doesn't have the hand-eye coordination. He's blind, basically. Yes. As, so the episode goes along, and they eventually get to the point where it's like Arthur is at the eye test and uh, fails it quite spectacularly. I'll stop you right here because this was weird to me. They have mandatory eye exams at this elementary school. Mm. I don't know what elementary – I didn't have mandatory eye exams at my elementary school. I can't adequately adequately remember if I did if I did or not. It seemed, But it seems like – Pretty harmless, though. In fact, I think it would probably help more than it would hinder just to kind of uh, j- just just give it a test. But, yeah, at the same time, you feel like maybe they should have known by now. Uh, it's interesting. I A very similar thing because, that happens in this episode happened to me in real life. Right, and, I, and I'll just mention before you get into it, you do wear glasses. And so it was about second grade I mm-hmm. realized I couldn't see the board, very similarly to Arthur. But mm-hmm. I had to go and pay for an eye exam. I didn't get oh. free government-mandated uh, <laughs> school eye exams where everybody lines up in a line and uh, reads the board. Th- this episode is very ignorant to the fact that Eye care in any part of the east, western part of the of the world is very expensive. <laughs> we'll get and to we'll, that later. I sh- noticed we, that we too. Sure will. So you mentioned that there's a bit of that part of this episode is themed a bit like a horror movie, and it was this point I noticed there's a lot of organ stings in this episode. The nee, 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 as he goes to the eye doctor, is just like well, the eye doctor. So <laughs> once Arthur realizes he can't see yes. the board as well as the other kids in the eye exam, he goes to the eye doctor, and that's where we get our first jump scare. Arthur puts on the the eye tester machine where they flick back and forth through all the lenses. Yes. And for some reason, there's a worm in one of the lenses. So the eye doctor's asking him, better, worse, better, worse. What do you see? And Arthur goes, a giant worm. And my favorite thing is his mom says, where? (laughs) I didn't pick up on that. It's my favorite thing because, yeah, this is like where. It's like, what What are you talking about? And so the eye doctor, she takes out the lens that has a worm in it nonchalantly and puts it on a flower. Like that's not a very, very strange, almost impossible thing. <laughs> yeah. And then, so then he gets to try on some glasses. And now I'm, I'm much older now. But at the time when I was a kid, you know, I loved Arthur. I wanted glasses so bad. Now that I'm older – I realize how much of a hassle glasses can be, and I'm perfectly happy with my with my 2020 vision or thereabouts. But it's like you see Arthur trying on these glasses. You got like first off, he's got those like rad aviator glasses. It's quick Top Gun reference. Like he's got yeah. the flight jacket on. Yeah. Every time Arthur puts on a different pair of glasses, he sort of imagines himself as the person that would wear those glasses. Yeah. So he and puts on those Top Gun aviators, and he's Tom Cruise with the jets in the background. And imagination's a big theme in Arthur as well. Uh, the, then there's the, he puts on the glasses that no human would ever wear in reality ever. Oh, the, the outer ones. space glasses? No, no, the ones with like the weird rectangular ones where his oh, eyes kind of slide yes. around. And then he puts on the Bret Hart shades, and he goes <laughs> into space. So cool. Those I think those are the ones he should have went with. Totally. Like, if... You got offered as a kid, like, you can look like Bret Hart. You can be the excellence of execution at school. How would you not pick those glasses? Like, I always did... thought you couldn't buy those glasses. The only way to get them would be if Bret Hart actually went to the crowd and gave them to you. Because yeah. he always gives glasses to a kid in the crowd. Why was, why wasn't... And that's the only way to get Bret Hart glasses. Why wasn't, but... Bret, why wasn't Bret Hart his eye doctor? Wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't that have been an awesome first episode to get? And, and so it's like you have these, these two awesome pairs and – you're just like, why did he pick those brown ones? Harry Potter fan, I guess. When did Harry Potter? When was Harry Potter written? Uh, I want to say the first book came out in 1998 or 1999. Okay, so, so far, uh, Arthur, Arthur was the originator. Because pre- I see those glasses, I think of three things: mm-hmm. uh, Harry Potter, 
Arthur, and actually the show Sticking Around. Which, yeah, Bradley. Which, when I was a kid, uh, this is kind of silly, but when I was a kid, I always called Sticking Around, I think, Little Arthur or something. There was some uh, adjective I added to the word Arthur because I thought they took place in the same universe or something because Bradley looked so much uh, like Arthur to me. This was when uh, I was really young. I would have called it Little Arthur or something. Sure. But anyway, that's what those those round, uh, thick-framed glasses mean to me. It's either Harry Potter or Arthur. They're so iconic. Right. So Arthur goes back to school. He's got his glasses on. Um, people are kind of noticing them. <laughs> on the way to school, Arthur has some good lines. He's roasting his parents in the car because <laughs> he's seeing with new eyes, basically. He can finally see the world clearly for the first time. And he yeah. says, Mom, you have gray hairs on your head. Dad, have you always had those bags under your eyes? Yeah. Uh, and his parents are kind of mad at him for uh, pointing I, out their I, I think I, I I took it more as they're they're taking it in good stride because they can kind of he can kind of see everything and they're just like they're just right, happy he can yeah, see they're just like right it's just like right on it's just like f- like fair enough <laughs> um I wanted to get into something and I feel like it's something that if we continue with this it's gonna be a constant topic because Arthur goes back to school and almost apropos of nothing like Francine comes in the class and then she's like hey everybody Arthur's of four eyes and I'm like Dude, you guys are friends. Like, I there there's going to be a lot of times throughout the series that Francine plays the antagonist. It's interesting because it's interesting these two episodes of any episodes are back to back because yes. I don't want to talk ahead of myself. But in the next episode, Francine is the protagonist. Yeah, very much so. Uh, and what ends up happening is because these characters are swapping roles so much – it can come off as a little bit bipolar at times, but it also adds a lot of depth. Like, watching these two episodes together really fleshes out the Francine character. I feel like you know Francine, and you know why she acts the way she does and where she's coming from, uh, because we see her portrayed in two very different lights. Yeah. it's. I don't think you're wrong. It's just that as a kid... I would really get, like, tonal whiplash from the way that Francine was. It's like she would be Arthur's best friend one moment, and then the other, she's acting like a complete hole to, like, to, to Fern or the brain or something. But I'm, but I'm not saying you're wrong, and I want to, and I want to remain open to that, uh, because that was, that was kind of how I saw things as a kid, of just like, oh, Francine's really acting like a jerk. But I, I, I definitely saw that, you're right, in the pairing of these two episodes together, it almost did make Francine come out as the most fleshed-out character, even though she wasn't totally likable all the time. It's realistic, though, isn't it? Kids are so cruel. It's true. Kids are so terrible, especially when you're that age and you're not even picking out what you wear most times. Yeah. Uh, depending on what your parents dress you like can cause a load of embarrassment at mm-hmm. elementary school when you're in second grade or third grade. Oh, my parents put the wrong shoes on me. I don't realize because I'm not aware of this. I'm a kid. Yeah. But other kids will... The second they see a weakness, they'll all dogpile on it, uh, and that happens. Yeah, and it's very interesting because in this scene here, uh, you know, Arthur kind of says, you know, some people need glasses to see, France, to see Francine, big deal. And then in the very next scene, Buster's in the cafeteria, and he puts the glasses on his eyes like, hey, look at me. Look at me, guys. Look, I'm Arthur. And then Arthur sees it, and Buster's, like, surprised or, like, he's ashamed of himself. And I'm just like, well, what did you expect? That's right. Buster comes to Arthur's defense when he's within earshot. But when he thinks uh-huh. Buster, when he thinks Arthur is uh, not listening, he's making fun of him. And I think that speaks to Buster's character. I think the Buster character uh, really wants attention. 
Uh, yes. He, he's very needy to other people, mm-hmm. and he wants other people to think he's funny and to like him. So I think Buster saw an opportunity to get a cheap laugh at Arthur's expense. He put the two drinking glasses yeah. up to his eyes. He says, hey, I'm Arthur. And it's kind of a funny visual. Sure. We're not going to lie. Buster, <laughs> with his eyes gotten all big uh, and zoomed in, it looks pretty funny, but yeah. at Arthur's expense, not so much. Yeah, very much so. So uh, Arthur Arthur comes home, and then the next co- the next minute or so... He comes his- home in embarrassment, and he's wearing this crazy Victorian trench coat. <laughs> like he's Dracula, this huge collar to cover up his face like he's in a noir film or, like or he's something. In, like he's in Bloodborne. Like he's, he's like in he's Bloodborne. Gonna- That's exactly what I thought of. He looks like a Bloodborne character because he's trying to... <laughs> I think what happened was the animators just made it look like, you know, don't look at me. I'm hideous. Yes. So they needed a coat that would cover Arthur's face. That yeah. Up. But it's got this ridiculous Dracula collar. <laughs> uh, and it, he also didn't have the coat on the way to school. I'm not sure where he got it to hide his uh, just, his you, visage. You got you got me. Uh, so speaking of glasses being super expensive, Arthur <laughs> spe- spends all of his time and effort trying to basically destroy them or get rid of them. We have a fun uh, montage where Arthur's trying to ditch these probably upwards of $200 prescription glasses. Sure, sure. Uh, And you talk about stings. This is where I really got, uh, I really noticed the music cues where every time Arthur would try and get rid of his glasses, a sort of Rube Goldberg effect (laughs) would happen where uh, it would bounce off a tree, reflect off a mirror, and end up on his bed again. So he walks back in and literally a ripoff royalty-free psycho music would play (laughs) as Arthur would horrifyingly realize he can't get rid of the glasses. The cat came back the very next day. Indeed. Uh, And then, of course, he tries to get DW to smash them and, like, his mom comes in and is like, what are you doing with your glasses? And if I was was Arthur's mom, he'd just be like, the f***? you doing (laughs) go to your room insurance only covers one pair per this time yeah um this scene really disturbed me because seeing the baby sounds coming out of dw she didn't look that much younger than dw normally looks and it was the kate sounds you usually hear come out of dw uh arthur's littlest sister kate uh DW just making baby noises while trying to hit these glasses it's disturbing it's a little bit of a cognitive dissonance and the and it's you're right because Arthur's in second grade right now, and then the next year, for most of the series, he's in third grade. And then by the next year, DW is speaking. <laughs> she's speaking better than Arthur. I didn't even put that together. That's real. Yeah, DW kind of has a big vocab. She has a excuse me, not me. Uh, DW has a big vocabulary. I apparently have trouble speaking, <laughs> but uh, DW has a big vocabulary. She speaks very eloquently. Yet a year before, she couldn't speak English. Yeah. Maybe she's like Einstein. She couldn't speak until she was four years old or something. Could be. Arthur decides to ditch his glasses when he goes to school so he doesn't get picked on. Uh, love when he goes behind the tree and there's the like the Metal Gear Solid 3. <laughs> or uh, like Superman, the... he goes into the phone booth and changes. We yeah. don't know what happens to Arthur's glasses, just he goes behind the tree and, just and then he's cool Arthur. A, a, a great exchange here. It's just like, <laughs> Arthur's like, it's harder than ever to see without my glasses. And Buster's like, wear them. And he's like, I don't need them. I, he says exactly, I know this school like the back of my hand, which I think is a great line. It's just such a weird thing for a third grader to say. Sure. Like he's been to the school for three years. I feel like maybe I was just a dumb third grader, but I don't think I could do what Arthur does here where he says, I know the school like the back of my hand. I got lost in my elementary school. Uh, sure. Just elementary I would schools. have to take the lap around a couple times to be like, okay, this is where the bus parks outside. El- elementary school is going to be pretty labyrinthine. And, of course, it uh, ends up uh, biting Arthur in the butt because he uh, goes into the girls' bathroom. It's such a weird scene, too, because Arthur walks into the girls' bathroom. The girls are horrified. Right, more, more girls 
enter the girl's bathroom. And Arthur exclaims, get me out of here. And it's just like, the door's behind you. Yeah, like, even if the you have power, to push some girls, even if you have to push some girls down to exit, it's not that hard. Just va- <laughs> just vamoose the, the, the roosters in the hen house. But yeah, he, this has gone deep six already. He painfully exclaims, get me out of here. <laughs> yes. Yeah, he does. Even though he could just walk out the door. And of, and of course, he does walk out the door and everybody's looking at him and the jig is up. He goes back home and so... Oh, before that, I just wanted to mention, so a running theme in this episode, uh, Binky, the yes. character who would eventually yeah. be established as he's uh, older, he had to repeat third grade, mm-hmm. uh, and he sometimes is used as the bully archetype when Francine isn't. But Binky has been spending this whole time trying to figure out what's different about Arthur when he was wearing his glasses and people were making fun of him. Binky thinks maybe he's gotten a haircut or he's gotten a new shirt. Yes. I think the implication is that Binky's supposed to be a little bit slow. He did have to repeat third grade as we later yes. learn yeah. but binky finally figures out here that arthur's wearing glasses uh arthur was wearing glasses right before we get into the kind of the the triumphant return it's just like arthur's watching tv at home uh in something that will definitely come back again and again bionic bunny his favorite tv show the uh kind of pastiche of superman and it's like a behind the scenes of just like i'm wilbur rabbit and here's how we make the bionic bunny show the bionic and, bunny voice is so good i'm wilbur rabbit yeah and here's how we make the bionic bunny show <laughs> you know someone hands him a script and then he puts on Arthur's exact glasses, and then, you know, like, Wilbur Rabbit's got glasses just like mine. And then so that gives him all the the confidence he needs, and that's kind of the moral of the episode is just accept yourself and people, and, it's like, it won't matter what people say. And also pray that your idol has the exact same problem as you because that will make things 100% easier. And then <laughs> It we seems get like into- Wilbur Rabbit's farsighted, whereas Arthur's nearsighted sure. because he needed the glasses to read a script that was close to him. Whereas Arthur uh, is like me. He couldn't see the chalkboard. Yes. And so Arthur goes back to school. Everything's hunky-dory. Binky finally figures it out. That's uh, right. So Binky finally puts two and two together. Uh, oh, you're wearing glasses. Uh, and he goes to make fun of Arthur with Francine. Him, him and this him and this tall rabbit guy are just hee-hawing about it. <laughs> just, That's right. It's, they, have a, they have a good 10-second laugh about it. It's one of those things where you're like, oh, the animators needed to fill some time <laughs> here. So why don't Binky and... Why don't they find this hilarious? His whole joke is Binky goes, oh, you're wearing glasses. That's what's different. You're a four eyes. And then he laughs for like 10 seconds straight. Um, That's great. Where the joke's really on Binky because it took him a whole day to figure out what was different. Right, right, So, uh, and then it finally ends off with Arthur, you know, acing the math test that he uh, failed earlier and and all that. Uh, Francine comes up to him and now she... Uh, having you know seen Arthur's confidence, is now doing the full 180, and she has got her own pair of glasses, her movie star glasses, that don't have any uh, glass in them. They're just uh, vanity glasses. Right, no frames. Uh, and she had also seen the Bionic Bunny program. Yeah. Bionic Bunny, universal among these kids. They all like him. They all look up to yeah. him. So once everybody realized it, could be, it doesn't matter if you wear glasses or not, yeah. uh, you could still be an icon. Uh, Francine is almost jealous of Arthur as she turns it around. I also want to point out that uh, when it's showing that it doesn't really matter, it's actually better that Arthur's wearing the glasses. Not only does he ace the test, but he also becomes a bit of a baller himself. Sure does. He posts a pretty sweet layup. Again, these third graders, I'll get into this in the next episode as well, these third graders are far more athletic than I ever was Mm. when I was in third or second grade. Same. They play, they're playing full court basketball. Yes. And they're pretty they're sinking shots at a pretty regular rate so then we finally go back to the framing device of dw and arthur 
DW is kind of disappointed, but she but she gets it. And then the episode ends with DW finding an old picture of Arthur's mom and dad, and it's them during like the disco era. So it's, it's very Saturday Night Fever. Yes, and Arthur's mom looks a lot like a disco princess Leia, and Arthur's dad might be a pimp. <laughs> he's got a he's got a he's got a sweet full mustache. He's wearing like uh, turquoise. Like shirt and pants and like a white vest. It's like a curly mustache goatee combo. It's very the Princess Bride. It's almost yeah, like three like a, musketeers esque, like, like a Carrie Elway's kind of vibe. And uh, DW, she doesn't have a lot of permanence yet. She still mm-hmm, exclaims, mm-hmm. "Who is this guy with the dad? Who's this weird guy with mom? <laughs> with mom? Who's this and, weird guy and with mom?" I th- and I think this might have been the first time I ever heard the word divorce. I was just going to say it's very grown up of her to say, "Well, dad doesn't have a beard. Uh, maybe mom got divorced mm. from this guy," uh, which is another great DW sure. line. And that's where the episode ends. Before we get into the second episode, I do want to mention uh, the regular framing device of Arthur episodes is the A Word From Us Kids. I don't want to. I don't want to say you know because we you know we can kind of you know make fun of the episode or just like po- poke fun of it. Like I just want to. I just want to say you know we'll kind of mention what they get up to in the uh, the kids segment, and I want to preface this. All of these by saying, when I was a kid, I was so jealous that they got to be on the show. I never understood how a classroom – because what they do is they bring some cameras uh, into a classroom. Yeah. uh, And they usually center the topic around whatever the plot of the Arthur episode was. Mm -hmm. For instance, this one was literally about the book that this episode is based on, which I think is the first Arthur book. Yes. Uh, The the one where he first got his glasses was, I believe, the first one. And I remember thinking that book was weird seeing it because Arthur looks very different. He's got the big nose. He actually looks like an anteater as opposed in the – or an art. Excuse me. Whereas in the show, he just kind of looks like all the other animals. It, it was before the show became like follow that model. They're all talking about what they think about the moral, and obviously they think Jen. it's mean that all the uh, kids at Arthur's school were making fun of him. Uh, they think it doesn't matter if you wear glasses or not. Again, you talked earlier about how Arthur's a really great diverse show. Mm-hmm. Great diversity in this classroom, a really multicultural classroom. You're seeing people of all races and creeds. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's like this weird Monty Python esque keyframed animation sequence. It kind of looked like the when you would watch the. This is going to be an extremely uh, ner- uh, nerdy wrestling reference, but just when you would play like WWF WrestleMania 2000 on the N64, and you would watch the Titantron videos, and it would be like two frames of the wrestler moving, or, or or No Mercy, of just like <laughs> two frames of them moving. Like The Rock doing the people's elbow where he's vertical and then horizontal, vertical, horizontal. Yeah, it had this paper cutout look almost like those Terry Gilliam, yes. Monty Python transitions. I like your reference better. Uh, I like your reference as well. But uh, which And it's all the kids describing what makes them unique. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just don't know why they animated it that way. It was so strange. I think it's, I think it's a real 90s kind of thing of just like let's just sp- spice this up a little. And they would get a little bit more like interesting with the kids mm-hmm. uh, thing as it went on. But it's just like – you know, uh, the thing that you can say about all of these is that they're they're really cute. The kids have good answers. You know, they get to be involved with it, and that's cool. Like, I I have no intention of, you know, razzing them or anything because I was incredibly jealous of them to be able to be on Arthur. So I think it's I think it's cool, and I often wonder uh, where these kids are now. <laughs> I yeah, I wonder if we could get one of them for this show. 
deep Abs- cut. What was it like to be interviewed? Absolutely. For if you're listening to this podcast and we've continued on, uh, I urge you. If you were a word, f- if you were one of those kids that we heard words from, please contact us. We would love to hear from you. Two really quick things about the word from us kids segment. Yep. I remember as a kid not really liking it that much. No. I I wanted to see Arthur and his friends. Uh, I didn't really care. Besides the fact of being jealous that they got to be on Arthur, I didn't really care what these kids had to say. Now it's really cool to look at back yeah. at. Also, I don't want to razz them, but speaking of the 90s, lots of great 90s hair and outfits mm. from this cast. That's probably how I was dressed at the time. Uh, it's just interesting to look back. Even uh, how many years, I guess it's been about 10 years or 20, 20 years since then, uh, how much fashion has changed even among children. So the second half of the episode, as we mentioned earlier, is uh, Francine-centric in the sense that it's called Francine's Bad Hair Day. Uh, this one kind of starts a little bit interestingly. We're in third grade now, uh, Mr. Ratburn's class. And Possibly then, my favorite character, his first appearance, the introduction of Mr. Ratburn. Mr. Ratburn's a good favorite to have, and I and I would really love to talk, talk more about him when the time comes. I found this kind of strange because it's like when it goes to the kids of, you know, picture days coming up, and then it's just like throws throws to Muffy, and then they all kind of look to their right, and then it just like goes over to Arthur, and it's like, do they know it's a TV show? Just because of the format that it had, it had some really good opportunities for for meta, like That's referencing right. the fact that it's a TV show. Well, Arthur addresses the camera yes. at this when he when they're setting the scene. Arthur's talking about Picture Day like he's Ferris Bueller, which which is not unusual. Like that's definitely something common in an Arthur show, but it's weird to have it after the first episode, which is very much, you know, standard. Yeah, we're card- from a third-person perspective. Yeah, and then it's just like, oh, oh, hey, Arthur. We're like, what, what, what's going on, pal? Uh, so it's all about picture day and going over, you know, the full pause not to do, and we get some epic pictures before the, before the uh, title card. Um, uh, Buster drank too much soda, like does an awesome yak into the camera. Not only is the visual hilarious, just the way they drew Buster uh, burping, yes. but the callback to this later on in the oh episode Oh my god, I can't wait to talk about it. Probably my favorite moment in this entire thing sure. that we watched no, so absolutely. far. Uh, Prunella rubs her feet on the carpet too much, sits in the metal chair, her hair goes all frizzy. Which I don't think that's how that works. No, but you know, it's a cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Binky wears a flower on his lapel and does like a full body sneeze backwards and f- everything up. Which is, it's interesting that Binky chose a corsage to school picture day. I, I think it's, a, it's kind of a neat quirk that seems to be kind of within his character, or maybe I think more within his mom's character as she becomes that's part true. of That's true. That makes show. sense. Kind of her Binky Winkums kind of thing. So it is. Uh, uh, this is the Francine title card, the one where she busts the opening circle like a symbol and Arthur's inside it. So uh, that, the, was, that, that was always kind of the herald of a Francine-centric episode. Yeah, the title cards are related to the episodes. It's kind of like in uh, the old Generation 1 Transformers show when it was time to look at the Autobots, it would show na, the na, Autobot na, logo. Na, na, na. And then yeah. when it was time to see the Decepticons, it would show the inverse. Yes. Not a bad way of looking at it. So it starts out the episode of uh, Arthur and his friends in a game of kickball, and they're against the notorious fourth graders. Now, when I was younger, when I was younger then, and Arthur's age, I held fourth graders with an odd kind of regard because so did this show. Because Arthur and his friends are perennially third graders, and so anybody above them is just like super old. And so you look at Arthur's team, and they look like kids. You look at the fourth graders; they look like they're twenty-seven. I knew that. I noticed this too. The fourth graders are all drawn like they're twenty-three-year-olds. Yes. Like the proportions of Arthur and his friends, they look very much like kids, but. 
the fourth graders have the exact same proportions of like Arthur's dad. Yes, uh, and it's it's like of course they're gonna kick their of course they're gonna kick these kids. <laughs> they're in college. Yeah, they're, they're all having ro- a scrimmage with these Harvard boys. They're all roided up. Uh, they're all working out and buff it, fourth it graders. Comes ac- it comes across in the camp episode that's a few after this one. And to, to and to that point, Arthur. Like, winds up, he does his best pitch, and he gets slammed in the face. Buster exclaims, well, we'll never beat them. They're fourth graders. Yeah. Uh, so matter-of-factly. And it's like, Arthur, get, <laughs> Arthur gets takes a full ball in the face. Like, it's hardcore. Like, it turns I, out basketball was his sport after all. Yeah. Kickball, not so much. Yeah. Francine manages to bring the game back from the brink and save it and win it for everybody. She's definitely the star athlete of this crew. And she is, as you mentioned, the protagonist of this episode. And uh, I kind of wrote down the notes here, but I'll get back into it. Francine has the weird series staple that follows her of sometimes she is mean and a bully, but she's also confident and respected for her athletic skill by her friends. Uh, I want to note as well her voice actor, who is still the voice actor for Francine to this day, Jody Wrestler. Fantastic job. I think she has a wonderful voice. Which, Very unique. Yes, and I, I think I can't imagine Francine sounding like anyone else. And once we get into the later seasons of Francine you know, singing, she has a beautiful singing voice. It's not up to me to decide if Francine is a positive role model for girls because I was kind of thinking about that. Uh, like I said, she used to annoy me on the show. Like you said, she is a fully realized character, and I feel like there would be more kids, not not just girls, but kids who would probably identify more with the kind of back-and-forth portrayal of Francine than somebody who is kind of more one-note, like maybe, say, Muffy. Well, it's interesting you say that, though, because the show doesn't go all the way down that rabbit hole. Uh, I expected it to be... A very clear message. Francine, uh, Muffy is portrayed. So Muffy is the rich girl of the school. And she's portrayed as very vain uh, and kind of self-absorbed. But when it comes time to uh, give Francine a makeover later in this episode, she's not doing it to kind of make fun of Francine. Uh, She's genuinely trying to help Francine. She's, She's doing what she thinks is a favor. And I think it's important that the moral of this episode isn't, uh, you know, it's okay to be a tomboy like Francine. I think the moral is more so it's okay to be yourself, whatever that may be. Uh, Muffy isn't exactly a villain. She's just misguided in this episode. Yeah, she's definitely like a kid. And, of course, it comes from just her completely different background. Well, she's got a great line early on when they're talking about picture days coming up. She says, I can't get my picture taken in these rags. <laughs> she's uh, upset because she thinks it's that the day of picture day, yeah. and she's horrified. And as this episode establishes, you only get one chance to get your picture taken. Mm-hmm. I don't know what kind of weird picture day this is at this school where they have uh, state-instituted eye exams, but you get a picture, and that's your one chance. Doesn't matter if you're not even facing the camera. It seems. Yeah, no, like no, no opportunity for retakes or anything. And I'll get to that in a second because uh, Muffy, uh, she offers to make over Francine to, to you know turn her into a whole new Francine, and Francine kind of isn't into it. You know, she she really does not care. Uh, you know, she's far more concerned with sports and having fun. So Muffy's secret weapon is her second is Francine's second grade picture, which I can't believe that Francine like mate and maybe she did. But if that were my second grade picture, I would have gotten in a heap of trouble. 
I would have. I, I gotten... don't quite remember what it was. She's got like mud on her face. Right? She's got mud on her lips. Like it's like <laughs> her hair's messed up. Her eyes are kind of like weird. She's got. It looks like she's been eating and bathing in mud. <laughs> like it's horrendous. But again, uh, Muffy, it's important to point out that Muffy's not doing this to like embarrass Francine because that's not yes. what I thought they were going with it. The girls are sort of all in the bathroom. All the girly girls are talking about what they're going to do for a picture day, what kind of dress they're going to wear. And uh, Francine is kind of uninterested. She's wiping the mud off herself at the sink. Uh, and Muffy sort of approaches her like this. It's going to be a fun positive thing we're going to give you a makeover so you can look good it's her it's her idea of fun but she's it's, still looking down on francine yeah. but she, i i expected muffy to be more straight up oh i'm better than you which isn't really the case she's trying to help her out. but she wants to relate to francine because it's not i mean it's not really established here but they are best friends mm-hmm. she decides to take francine to the uh to the to the makeover uh, before that she tries to give francine her own hair makeover and it's you know horrendous medusa medusa haired mess and uh yes yeah, so she whips out a cell phone a She's flip phone. in third grade. This is the 90s. 1996. So you you got to think about how expensive a cell phone would have been in 1996 and how not prevalent they would have been. And then also you need to think about the context of a third grader whipping out. And it, it makes sense because Buffy's supposed to be very, very, very rich. Yes. Uh, it's still hilarious, yeah, though. No, it's, it's, a com- it's completely strange. So they go to her you know, preferred uh, makeover artist or preferred hairdresser, whatever you the call it. The glam squad. Yes, very much so. You know, they go over a couple of hairstyles for Francine, and then she settles on one that is outrageous, but less so than the other ones. Uh, Muffy's uh, hairstylist exclaims, we don't promise miracles in your price range to Francine, <laughs> which is a very cruel thing to say yeah. to a third grader. Yeah. Uh, kind of <laughs> gives you a taste of the people that Muffy kind of deals with. I also uh, like how at a certain price point, though, there is miracles. You could <laughs> have anything done with your hair as long as you got the change. Oh, uh, you, oh you better believe it. Like, uh, these are only the best for uh, for Muffy. So they put Francine in the in – the, showing showing my, uh, my manly ignorance here of – the the, the, the the it's a dryer the, the dry- it's a hair dryer I believe. oh man i feel like such a bonehead but yeah so so they get her ready for for the haircut and so we get our first dream sequence which is francine uh playing kickball on some sort of national or international level and she's basically her she's become medusa from, from Mar- the x-men from marvels and humans because humans yeah. well yeah g- good enough because her hair basically has a mind of its own and it is a living weapon it turns out that's a big advantage to have in kickball when no one else is able to use hair tendrils to uh, sort like of she, reach like out. She basically wraps it around one dude's neck and like, <laughs> like she trips him. But it's just like you could just, you could just, you you could you could snap it. Nobody would have to know. I'm not the most versed with the rules of baseball, and I know baseball has a lot of antiquated, uh, ki- bizarre ki- rules. Ki- kickball. Oh, it's, it's kickball. That's right. Uh, they're still playing kickball in this. So I guess yeah, hair. Hair tendrils, totally legal in kickball. It's all street rules in kickball. So when she wakes up, it's not exactly the hair that she was promised by the computer simulation. And I, I want to note that Francine's hair is basically what my, what my Baba's hair looked like, my grandmother's hair. It's it kind of like a big, almost like a sort of like an afro, tight Just, curls. Tight, yeah. yeah, and so it, it it's it's a very much an old woman haircut. And then Muffy has the haircut that. Uh, Francine was promised, which is much more kind of flamboyant and uh, stylish. Very prom. Yeah, Uh, very prom. like lots of ribbons, lots of complicated braids. Uh, And I just want to highlight very quickly, uh, Melissa Altro is the uh, voice of Muffy. Can't imagine anybody 
else doing Muffy's voice. She was also the voice of Pippi Longstocking in the cartoon. Oh, in case you ever well, watched that. They both have uh, the same hairstyle. Yeah, very much so. So we we cut back to school, and that's where Francine debuts her hair, much like uh, Arthur debuted his eyes. And so we get kind of the inverse, which I never noticed before, of like Francine in Arthur's eyes, kind of, kind of giving him a bit of shit for his eyes. But now. In kind of the opposite of that, it's it's well, and it's mainly Buster. Oh my god! But 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 I mean, Arthur's kind of joining into two of they're they're giving her for the hair, and now I kind of I feel a bit I feel a bit bad for for dogging on Francine in the past because it's like well, this is a real schoolyard reciprocating relationship of you make fun of me, well I'll make fun of you, and so nobody's ever really happy. It's it's hard not to laugh at the Buster line though. The the timing with Buster, Buster's delivery mm-hmm. is so impeccable, and I get that. Buster's probably the writer's favorite character. Almost all of the one liners. That's where you get your. That's where you get your shtick in. But oh my goodness, it's, it, it's not even jokes at this point. It's just pure delivery. Uh, Francine asks Buster, "So do you like it?" Buster goes, "No." no. <laughs> just a simple no. And then him and Arthur are also rolling on the floor laughing about it. Yeah, it's Francine's like it's style. alive, <laughs> and of course the dumb joke that of course boys laugh at, and then uh, you know further kind of. B- ball busting in the in the cafeteria and Francine wants to reciprocate but uh, Muffy's very insistent that she not do anything to mess up the hair because it's very expensive. So but, uh, Muffy has a list of rules yes. of how proper hair care for a lady. I didn't write them all down but uh, the two big ones that I really stood out to me is one, no riding in convertibles. Mm. Uh, <laughs> that's a must. And also no lying down. Uh, when Muffy's explaining the rules of hair care uh, Francine sort of goes, oh, and, and tries to lie down on the bed. But again, one of the rules, you have to sleep standing up if you want to maintain those luscious locks. I guess so. We'll, we'll never know Muffy's secret. So, of course, because she has all of these restrictive rules, Francine can't play kickball, which to her, ball is life. So it's another game against the fourth graders. And so without Francine, without the MVP, you have to put in – the two the subs yeah i guess the su- the subs or what i'm thinking of is just like you have you have the t- you have the tr- you have the trio of francine uh, arthur and buster but you need the person to lead the trio and but arthur and buster aren't leaders they're supporters so i also just think arthur is pretty bad of at kickball in general sure. it seems like he doesn't have a lot of uh, athleticism to offer up his team in fact, when he hears that Francine cannot play kickball due to her hair, he's furious. Yeah. Uh, because it's, yeah, like, what do you mean you can't play? <laughs> Arthur knows it's already a losing endeavor against the fourth graders, let alone without Francine. And then Arthur and Buster proceed to get dunked on, like hardcore. Like, the, and it's not even that they. It's not even that the fourth graders are doing especially well. It's just that these guys are like Bozo the Clown. They slam into each other immediately trying to catch the ball. And then the great line when one of the fourth graders is running the bases, he stops, like stops running, looks at them down. It's like, can I help you find the ball? And then <laughs> keeps running. <laughs> all the fourth graders. It's so have embarrassing. The, all the fourth graders in this scene have the exact same voice, by the way. Even though they're completely different people, it's the same voice for all three of them. There are a couple fourth graders with the same voice. And like the one who runs by them is clearly just Buster doing an older voice um also when arthur is getting mad at francine because she can't play he's sort of uh you know he's getting really riled up and he's kind of thinking out loud and he asks buster what's wrong with her buster goes another great buster line she's lost her mind that's all very matter of factly they're getting dunked on and then francine 
has all she can stand. She can't stand no more. So she does an epic catch and gets back in the game and manages to turn it around pretty much single-handedly. And there's a good, there's a good line here of just uh, uh, she's at bat, and then the catcher is like, did you know there's a poodle on your head? And she's like, yeah, and it does tricks too. Watch. And then she proceeds to school them. And and then it's just kind of and she does like the big big dirty slide into home, but it's the game winner, and she's the, she's a sports hero. Again. One of the fourth graders has a really great line here, where uh, I don't know what the deal is with this kickball league. Like you said, street rules. It seems uh, they really need some officiating because there's a lot of dirty play here. Because they play without a ref, you see. Yeah, and Francine catches the ball from the stands, yeah. and one of the fourth graders rightly say. Uh, She's not even playing. She wasn't playing. That doesn't count. Buster's having none of it. He goes, you might, you're out. They could really use a ref. You might you might as well play her music because she's doing a run in here. <laughs> it's Yeah, the Calvin Ball rules, it seems, with the, uh, the kickball. In this weird kickball league, because it seems organized. Mm-hmm. Earlier in the episode, Francine's mom says, don't forget to bring the kickball to your kickball game. Yeah. But maybe just organized in the way that that kids are able to do that, or were maybe. So then finally, it is indeed picture day, the same day as this game, and they're all lining up, and uh, Muffy is desperate to have France, to not have Francine take her picture because she's obviously dirty from head to toe. And we get to the best part of the episode, to which I totally agree. So there's two reasons why this is fantastic. Yes. One, the picture taker is sort of this unenthused Eugene Levy impression where he's going, next, yeah. next, for all the kids taking the picture. The guy hates his life. He hates that he has to yeah. take these. Even though it's just one picture per kid, he doesn't even have to give them any direction or anything. And then Buster has this fantastic line when he gets his picture taken. He goes, remember me? I'm the one who burped. And he has this awesome look on his face. <laughs> and he, and he does kind of like he does a gesture to the camera of just like come on bring it on I'm the the guy who burped and then his picture is amazing same picture taker every year too his mouth his mouth is open his eyes are closed (laughs) and he's like what's up it is fantastic I want a picture taken like that we need I'm the one who burped (laughs) t-shirts forget I'm the one who knocks I'm I'm the the one one who who burped And of them all, I mean, Buster takes that one, and it's glorious. Uh, Arthur takes it, and his thing is that the Flash sets off his glasses. Francine takes one, and I actually really liked her picture. I thought it was very, I thought it was very cute. Like it, and as Arthur kind of says later, it, like it, it, it looks like Francine. It looks just like her. Like she still kind of got like mud caked on her mouth and stuff, and but you know, it's like. No, I think that's kind of cool. It's definitely an improvement from the one last year where she looks like a crazy person. Whereas Muffy, uh, Muffy's picture gets kind of sabotaged by herself because she's so upset about Francine. Oh, in her mind, ruining her own picture. That <laughs> oh, she, that Francine is the line. <laughs> she goes, "Oh, that Francine," you know, like a third grader would say, and then immediately throws it into the trash and uh, frowns. Yeah, she throws it in the, the trash, and she's got a really great Muffy line here. You get what you pay for, uh, because and if I were you, I'd burn those. <laughs> And so we end off the episode of uh, Arthur and Francine trading pictures. And like they're Yu-Gi-Oh cards or something. Yeah, it's, I've yeah, never heard of trading yeah, yeah, it's, pictures. Yeah, no, it's just like you want to trade, and it's just like, do you mean you want to see them? Like, what, are you going to keep them or something? So so they so they trade them, and, you know, it's like, I like it. It looks, like just, it looks just like you. Francine says, so does yours. And I'm like, why? Does Arthur have beams of light coming out of his eyes all the yeah. time? Another X-Men reference, I guess. He's Cyclops. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, and then the, this kind of the episode kind of ends with Arthur and Francine going to play ball. And speaking of recurring themes, of course, now that Arthur's first fan base is much older, 
then you kind of get into your your fan fictions and your uh, your different interpretations and stuff. I I mentioned that because of course Arthur and Francine OTP, right? Oh, that's the that's the couple. There, there's a, there's a couple of really good arguments you can make either way, but it's like I it's clear that from the very beginning it's just like, well, Arthur and Francine as different as they are and as much as they get on each other's nerves, like this is this may pay off into some kind of chemistry later in life. I don't know. I'm thinking Arthur Brain is the ship. That's the ship for me. Arthur slash Brain. You're gonna you're gonna have to talk me into that one. <laughs> awesome. So that's the first episode of Arthur. Uh, Lucas, any final thoughts on the, these two episodes presented as a whole? Uh, I liked the second one better. I think. Mm-hmm. I think Arthur is such a blank uh, slate in the beginning that he's hard to uh, really get a sense of character from him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and his problem isn't really, like, when he's getting made fun of it for his glasses, I don't know. It just seems kind of petty. He's trying to destroy – as an adult, he's destroying these $2,000 gla- – the $200 glasses uh, because kids are bullying him. And I get that that's a big deal when you're a kid. But I had a hard time, uh, you know, putting myself in Arthur's shoes, uh, being in the exact same situation as him, and I didn't really get bullied like that, I guess. Mm-hmm. Whereas in Francine's episode, Francine is uh, – there's so much depth – to Francine's character, she's athletic. Um, it's later established that Francine is kind of a member of a low-income family. She lives in an apartment. A Jewish family. Uh, oh, yeah. So the Francine character, she's really fleshed out. You know, she comes from a low-income family. She's athletic. Uh, she can be uh, overconfident to almost a, uh, a, a fault. Uh, and she can be pretty cruel sometimes. Mm-hmm. But I think what's interesting about the characters of Arthur is... Uh, they're a lot like real people in that they're perfectly imperfect. Yes. Muffy, I expected to be sort of this caricature of a rich person, and to an extent she is, Kind of one but I really expected her to look down and make fun of Francine, and she didn't. They're friends, uh, and she wanted to do what she believed, incorrectly, what was best for Francine. So yeah. because of all those reasons, I really liked the second episode. The first episode's good, too, as an establishing episode. Uh, I can't wait for – I think Arthur is best at as a character when he's paired with the DW. Okay. Their chemistry, the way they play off each other is so good. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm excited for what's to come with him. I want to, I want to acknowledge the fact that you're, that you're very much uh, pro-Francine, and I don't want to make it seem like I'm anti-Francine. It's more coming to terms with feelings I've had since I was a kid and kind of trying to be more fair to Francine, and I definitely see what you're saying and I def- and I saw it myself of just Francine seems to be a much more developed character in a way that I wasn't even certain that this show could really have. But I will say that uh, I always kind of I, – I, I think in a way I watched a lot of TV shows, cartoon shows as a kid. And I always identified with the with the more blank slate characters, like the leaders or the main characters, because I mean I know that we were kind of intended to because it is Arthur's show after all. But I think as the show goes on, Arthur kind of moves past being the blank slate main character. Like even here, you kind of see the flashes of imperfection that you also get from Francine. Of just Arthur is you know very well meaning. He's 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 kind and and all that sort of stuff. But he's also very. Um, uh, reactionary. I find that you know from the first episode, he's he's very uh, he lets things get to him very easily, and uh, and he can he can lash out as well. And I th- I think he's he, like you said, perfectly imperfect, which which I kind of identified with as well. Uh, and I think this becomes more apparent later in the series, but in more ways than one, Arthur is very much a Woody Allen esque figure, where he's very he's got the same glasses choice, but he's yeah. also neurotic. Almost very, uh, very. He cares so much about what other people think of him, uh, and 
he's he's very quick to worry uh, and quick to freak out. He's kind of short tempered. Yeah. So I'm very much looking forward to seeing this through through different eyes. I mean, I feel I think I watched I think I watched through Arthur a, or a lot of episodes a few years ago, but. To analyze it on this level is something that I've been wanting to do for a while. Uh, Lucas, I want to thank you very much for, for joining me for this. Um, as it stands, I'm still trying to figure out, you know, I'm going to be putting this pilot out to people looking for uh, reception. You know, if, if you're if you're listening to this, I'll be putting it up on SoundCloud and probably onto my personal social media before I go forward, before we go forward with any sort of show for this. Um and, of course, uh, comments and criticism are not just uh, welcomed and appreciated, but very necessary uh, for us for us to keep going. Uh, but I think it would be a good idea before we leave here uh, to think of a to think of a title. Like, let's even if even if this doesn't get off, even if this doesn't get off the ground, um, which I, I would like to see it through. But I, I, I'm not going to commit just yet. But let's say if it does. And I you know, there's, there's a lot of ways that you can. There's a lot of titles you can have for an Arthur show, and I think the problem for me is is that I have a hard time thinking of names and titles for things, like because I overthink it. Because yeah. I'm like, because it's like I want it to be the perfect name, but it doesn't have to be the perfect name. So I wonder if we can just kind of think of one right now, and we can just we can run with it. Okay, there, there's two. I mean, the, I think it's funny to have it be called now a word from us kids or now a word from us adults playing on that middle segment. Mm-hmm. Because uh, they say the name so often. I was hoping that if we got any responses, that we could have a Ooh. section in the middle called "And now we're for Musk," or, or "And now let's talk to some kids." Oh, that's interesting too. Um, or something Elwood, something to do with Elwood City, sort of the setting of Arthur. There was a there was a great Arthur fan site that I that I uh, would go on when I was like eleven or twelve, and it was called the Elwood City Downtown Core. Really? Yeah, that's was, so good. Well, I'm never going to think of anything as good as that. Okay, well, 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 to that, to that. What about? And I'll have to make sure that this isn't already a thing. What about? What about Elwood City Limits? Ooh, I like that a lot. That's yeah. really good. Elwood City Limits, you want to go with that? If that's not taken, let's go with it. All right. Well, let's let, I'll, I'll make sure to double check and you may you may or may not have listened to the first episode of Elwood City Limits, uh patent pending, title pending. Uh that was Lucas Mancini. Thank you very much, Lucas. Having fun isn't hard. When you've got a library card, it's it's incredibly true. I go to the library often and it's all because of a show called Arthur. My name is Will Young. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, comment wherever you find this. Let us know what you think of it and what you'd like. What you'd like to hear your feedback about Arthur. If you watched as a kid, if you're watching it now, we'd love to hear from you, and we'll talk about it on the show. If you would like to be a guest on the show, we would love to have you as well. We can hopefully make that happen for the pilot episode of Elwood City Limits? Question mark. We'll see you later. All right, that was fun. Yeah. I quite enjoyed that. We'll leave my phone in the other room next time. I know! You're wearing glasses! Yeah, I am. Four eyes! <laughs> <laughs>